Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm news columnist John A. Torres, and welcome back to the second season of Murder on the Space Coast. But before I take you deep down the rabbit hole to look at several extraordinary stories, I want to do a quick recap of season one. Why? Well, it's my guess that the deeper we get into season two, the more you'll be able to relate everything you hear to the sad tale of Gary Bennett, the subject of season one of Murder on the Space Coast. So without any further ado, last season on Murder on the Space Coast. Um, What you saw, and and this is really, I think, a formula for all these cases, you saw cases that when terrible crime happens uh, and law enforcement doesn't have sort of immediate answers, they um, center on a person as the potential suspect and then, you know, sort of through tunnel vision, um, build a case around that person while ignoring um, signs that they may, in fact, not be the person. I knew his father, I knew his mother, and I knew of Gary because of his uh, criminal activity, the things he was involved in as a juvenile. I never arrested him or uh, had any involvement in an arrest except uh, during the courses of some of the arrest, some of the officers, investigators would come in and talk about it. Now, I'm going to put it to you straight out. How long do you normally, just normally, think that it should take to pick a 12-man jury in a premeditated first-degree murder trial where a man is pleading not guilty and the state seeking the death penalty? I've seen days, almost a week. Try two hours. Two hours. This is on the morning of the 3rd. My trial started on the afternoon of the 3rd. I was found guilty on the 5th, sentenced on the 6th, and in the Lake Butler on the 13th. Holy smokes. Holy smokes. I'm going to put it in plain prison English. I got screwed so bad by the train that I didn't even get a chance to see the caboose. That's how railroaded I got. It would be funny if it wasn't so tragic. It would be funny if it wasn't so tragic. That last bit of sound we just heard was from Gary Bennett himself. I visited Gary in prison last March and April and spent several hours with him recording his story. I have never seen or heard of a capital punishment murder trial wrapping up in two and a half days. Like I told Gary, it usually takes longer just to pick a jury. He has been in prison now for 33 years for a murder that, well, I'm not sure he did. And from reading the transcripts, appeals, motions, and interviewing several of those involved, I'm convinced that he did not receive a fair trial. It all started on July 13, 1983, when a woman enters her mother's Palm Bay trailer and finds her dead. Helen Nardi, only 56 years old, was stabbed 26 times with four weapons, a screwdriver, an ice pick, a pair of scissors, and a knife. She was naked, with signs of semen in her vagina and mouth. Her body was partially covered 
and was left with the pair of scissors jammed into her chest. The ice pick in her back was in so deep that the medical examiner needed a pair of vice grips to remove it. Usually, murder weapons evoke at least a modicum of sympathy, but Nardi may be the exception. She is a woman who saw child services remove two of her young children because she was pimping them out sexually in exchange for rent considerations. One daughter, 16-year-old Mary, was allowed to remain with Helen because, well, Helen married her off to a 53-year-old man by the name of Kermit Parkins, the same man who was having an affair with Helen when she was murdered. Mary and Kermit were never considered suspects, and it should be noted that the lead investigator in the case, Leroy Dunning, was once their landlord and knew the family well. An aimless, troubled soul, Gary was an easy target for police and the state. He's not very educated, has had some mental issues, and had some previous interactions with the police. The evidence against him in this case? Well, this will blow your mind. A partial palm print in the home of the murder victim, a woman he knew and whose trailer he had previously visited. When he was asked about how the print wound up on her closet door, Gary had no answer. So because he could not remember leaning up on the closet or touching it, he became the prime suspect. He passed a polygraph test. He passed a rape test kit examination. Pubic hairs left at the scene of the murder were not his. There were other prints found near the crime scene that were never identified. And so when the partial palm print was not enough to bring to a grand jury, the state produced a lying dog handler already under investigation for being a fraud. They also cut deals with two men in the county jail for reduced sentences. In exchange, the men testified that Gary had confessed the crime to them in the county jail. Seth Miller of the Innocence Project of Florida said that tactic was common practice during the 1980s. We're, you know, we're going to just keep repeating this over and over again, even as the innocence movement exonerates more and more people. And, and so it's, we need real wholesale systemic changes if we want to have a, have a system that we can all be proud of uh, you know, for people who care about a just society. Just before the trial started, Gary turned down a state plea deal offer that would have seen him go free after less than 10 years. He refused, maintaining his innocence. And now let's get back to the, the palm print, because that's like the only physical evidence that I know, they I know that. right now. So I know that. It's, it's a little troubling. I, know, I mean, I know that we touch stuff when we go into people's houses and stuff and our prints. As I said, I could have came up with 50 different lies, and I didn't. On how the print got there. Exactly. And I didn't. Gary's family could not believe it when the verdict came in and he was found guilty. I mean, I, I don't have a lot of hope. Yeah. But, I mean, it's been 32 years and every hope that we've had has been dashed. Yeah, yeah. But the jury voted 7-5 to five in favor of life in prison, which is odd, really, when you consider the overall brutality of the crime. And it's that life sentence that may be what actually doomed Gary, as you'll see later in season two. But in telling Gary's story, the similarities between his case and the others became so troubling that listeners pleaded with me to keep digging. And I did. And that's what you can expect over the next 14 episodes. 
Okay, so that was the Cliff's Notes version. If you really want to get into every sordid, strange detail of the Bennett case, including a prosecutor turned judge who fought against DNA testing in the case, and Gary's admission that he is attracted to young girls, then please, by all means, go back and listen to all of season one before proceeding. Here's a taste of what you'll hear throughout season two of Murder on the Space Coast. So I knew at that particular point in time that he was a fraud, a charlatan, and a liar, and that nobody who utilized him to do lineups had any personal integrity or, or rudimentary knowledge of, of basically experimental design. And so I then realized that uh, there's some evil things working here. Hey, it is what it is. <laughs> oh my God! Well, that, that's those are dark days for justice when you see that kind of that kind of conduct. It was every single day he raped me for four or five years, from the time I was six till I was eleven, and at eleven it finally stopped because Mom shipped us off. For now. I'm news columnist John A. Torres, and you can follow me on Twitter at John Albert Torres. That's at J-O-H-N-A-L-B-E-R-T-O-R-R-E-S. And for more information on these cases and web exclusives, please go to floridatoday.com. Murder on the Space Coast is written and narrated by John A. Torres. The producer is Rob Landers, and the editor is Mara Bellaby. Thanks for listening to Murder on the Space Coast, brought to you by Florida Today, a part of the USA Today Network.